would you remain standing as we honor God in his word. Our scripture reading is going to be found in Revelation chapter 2. It'll be on the screen behind me. If you need a Bible, there's one in the seat back pocket right in front of you. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you've not grown weary, but I have this against you. You've abandoned the love you had at first. Remember. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the work she did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet, this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans. Now, the Nicolaitans were those that lorded leadership over the people. They began the division of clergy and laity. He says, I also hate that. You as an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the ones who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Father, we're really thankful that you gave us your word, so much power in word. So thankful that we can gather together in this country and pray, meet, so blessed we can sing, sing to you. And I pray now as we go into your word that you would bless your word in our hearts. Truly, we'd be challenged to change. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. If you've got your Bible, you're going to want to turn to Revelation chapter 2 as well as 1 Corinthians 13. We are going to be building off of the series that we started at the beginning of the year speaking about the church. And if you remember... For the first three weeks of the year, we did the Bride of Christ, the Building of Christ, and last week, Jason did a phenomenal job with the Body of Christ. This week, starting a new series through the seven letters of Revelation, chapter two and three, seven weeks, and each of you received a journal. This journal is a journal that we want you to become a student of God's Word, something that you bring every week something that you write your notes in every week. And you'll also notice if you just open up to the very first page, you can say this journal belongs to Chet. Flipping over the page, you will see an exercise, a spiritual exercise that our elders participated in. This was done with much prayer and fasting. Our elders went to the Lord and asked the Lord to minister a word to our body, to write a letter to our body. And if you'll see this very first letter, well, the first letter is a letter to the elders because first the encouragement and the exhortation should go to the leaders of the church. And so one of our letter, one of our elders wrote a letter to the church, but wrote a letter first to the elders. The following letters you'll see throughout the course of the seven weeks, you may choose to read them all in one fell swoop or as each week continues. The following letters you'll see are letters to the whole church, letters of encouragement, letters
letters of uh, exhortation. Now, please don't think we think these letters are, uh, are, are uh, 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 part of the canon of Scripture. That's not the heart of this. This is just a letter from our elder's heart to our church's heart that we might all grow and we might all be in the Word of God together. So maybe you want to open to the very first page as we begin our series on Can You Hear Me Now? The text message of God to his bride, a groom to his bride. And our title of our first message is Falling in Love falling in love. Now the idea, can you hear me now? When I text Andrea, well, she may have 20 other text messages, but when I text her, she responds. It's just part of the heartbeat. And as we go through this series and we listen to the heart of God, our prayer as we listen to his text message to his bride, that we will respond in like manner, falling in love, falling in love. I remember I remember the moment that I realized that Andrea was going to be my wife. We were at Florida Atlantic University. We were in a study room together alone. Now, I know probably not the best thing to be in a study room alone, but there was a door with a big window on it, so we were safe. And we were sitting across the table from each other, and I was doing molecular biology and all of the formulas that went along with it. And, well, she was going through algebra for the fourth semester. And she was trying to memorize Y equals MX. She just went two. It was four. <laughs> y equals MX plus B. And trying to memorize all those formulas, right? And I'll never forget. I looked up. Now, we knew each other. We were friends. We were hanging out. But it wasn't like, okay, is this for real? Is this serious? But I'll never forget this moment. I look up and all of a sudden, it was like she was glowing with the Shekinah glory of God. It was like the angels came in. Like It was just this, I don't know if angels sound like that, but that's what was happening in my heart, right? And my heart started beating out of its chest. And I, I just looked at her and I just heard the Lord whisper to me, this is going to be your wife. Well, let me tell you something. When I walked out of the study room, I had a little chest thrust going just like this. I'm walking out and Andrea's right there beside me. And well, that Sunday, she was the worship leader at Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale. Oh my goodness. Now she's up there singing. That's my wife. She don't know yet, but I know. She's my wife. And as she was up there singing and raising her hands, my heart was just melting. And I was just looking at her. Think of Jesus. Think of Jesus. I'm looking at her. Think of Jesus. I had to close my eyes just to listen because I'm so radically in love with this woman. Well, now I got a job to do. I got to woo her. She's my woman. So I got flowers. And I had, one time she got, was going early to school, so I went early and I put a petal of flowers all the way to her car door. And there was a little letter, a little letter right there. And it was this little love letter like, hey, just thinking about you. <laughs> you know, just all of this. I remember our late night chats, right? Like, now we had a curfew. We wouldn't talk past 12 o'clock. But I would always go like, 12.05, let's just do 12.05, right? I mean, because we just thought after midnight, maybe it was dangerous, you know? So we're like, okay, well, can I call you all the way home? Like, can we talk all the way home, you know? I just wanted to know her favorite color. I wanted to know who she was. I wanted to know everything about her. I used to write poems. <laughs> Roses are red. Flowers are blue. I love you. I can't think of one right now, but here's the deal, right? I used to write poems. 
I, I, I used to, I would, I go hunting. Well, I used to, and then I moved to California. You guys get so upset when I use hunting illustrations, so I can't. So I used to go hunting. I don't anymore. <laughs> and <laughs> it's like hearts of my heart. Um, and I would write poems as I was sitting in my stand waiting to shoot the deer, okay? And then we'd eat it. We'd eat it. Not, it's not like it was Bambi. Bambi's dad. <laughs> I know I'm going to get an email. All right, listen. Then I go to Liberia. And my mom was so concerned. I mean, there's this beautiful blonde Christian babe that has come into my life. My mom thought that no one would ever marry me because I'm going to go to Africa. So when she discovered that Andrea was in my life, she hired, <laughs> hired Andrea to be her like house person, you know, in the house and help her around the house. Let me tell you something. Andrea never squirted Windex, never once. Every time they come over, they had a Bible study, went shopping, and had lunch. It was like my mom was paying her to be my bride. It was like the pre-dowry, okay? And she hung onto her for a year and discipled Andre. In fact, one time, they, we went to Easter, uh, this late Easter lunch, and there was an Easter bunny at the lunch. Well, the Easter bunny hit on Andrea. My mom, Attila the, Attila the mother, right? She goes into the Easter Bunny. I don't care who you are. You leave her alone. She's got my son, you know? Kind of like letting the Easter Bunny know, don't you dare hit. And she don't want a bunny anyway. She wants a man, not someone that dresses in a bunny uniform, you know? So here's the deal. I am so in love with her. Every day in Liberia, I do a journal entry to her. Three journals. I went through every page of the journal. I wrote her everything while I was there. And when I got back, Oh, our first kiss. Her foot went. It was great. And I realized I can't kiss you anymore. This is too much. We need to get married. I am burning with passion. So, engagement. It's my birthday. And everyone's at the house. I've got this whole thing planned. I got the ring, like the whole deal. But I'm so nervous. I, I'm not even talking to Andrea. I, I didn't even say hello to her. I didn't know what to say. I was like, and I walked away, you know? And I had planned this whole thing. She got so mad. She was about to leave my birthday party. And she's like, I'm going. She went and told my mother who she was better friends with now than me, which was a mistake. Listen, don't have your mother get involved with discipling your spouse, okay? Because now they're better friends. I do something wrong. They both gang up on me. So she, she goes to my mom. I'm leaving. And I go, you can't leave. I go, come with me. I put her in the car and I blindfold her and she goes, this is weird. I go, just go with it for a second. We go to this park, I drive all around and I give her a gift and she opens the gift and it's this beautiful black gown. And then I do the whole, she goes, oh, sorry, let me back up. She goes, why are you giving me a gift on your birthday? And then I do the whole thing. Um, because that dress will look good. And I had this whole thing planned. Like I knew what I was gonna say and all of a sudden I went dumb. And I go, um, it'll look good with this ring. She goes, oh, you got me a dress. Oh, you got me a ring. I'm like, yes or no? Like, <laughs> she said yes. We went back to the engagement. Everything was great. She's now happy. She's not going to leave the party. We're married. And what's been so incredible is watching my daughter and her fiance prepare for their marriage. First love. It's been such a reminder to me of what it used to be. Seeing, I mean, they, they sit close to each other. They hold hands. We went for a walk yesterday with them. And he's like holding her like this. And I'm like, like, dude, you're not married yet. Leave room for the Holy Spirit. Like, you know, <laughs> back away. You know, 
like, watch out, I'm still dad, you know? And I don't care you're six foot four and I can't even see your face, you know? I'm just so amazed. He opens the door. It's just been such a beautiful reminder of this first love experience. But it's amazing to me. Things changed in our marriage over time. We didn't mean for it to change. It wasn't like we wanted to change from this first loving, incredible experience. Things just changed. I mean, we were busy with nine kids, right? I mean, it's bread, 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 peanut butter, peanut butter, peanut butter, peanut butter, jelly, 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 bread, bread, bread. Like, eat, you know? (laughs) Jesus, bless it. (laughs) Let him go to bed. Please, thank you, God. You know, it's like, get through the day. We're just busy. We went through a war. Not Andre and I. But we were living in a country where survival was our main goal. Not to mention just walking through the issues of life. It's amazing, over time, you can become functional and you can even become factional. The Pharisees did that. And it's like a marriage, like you're married to a Pharisee. Listen to this, you don't need to turn there, maybe you'll write it in your notes. It's Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. Listen to the woe to the Pharisees. Woe to you Pharisees. For you tithe and mint and rue and every herb, but neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You're religious, but you've got no relationship. You've neglected me. You, you've abandoned me. You're doing all the right things. Oh, Andre and I were. We were going to church. We weren't yelling at each other. We were being very functional. We knew how to have family devotions. We knew, we knew the routine. You wake up, you brush your teeth, you do breakfast, you send them out to school, they come back, you do a little talk. How's school? Then you have breakfast. Then you have, where am I? Dinner. Then you brush their teeth. Then you put them to bed. Then it's like, thank God. And you try to go to sleep on your own, right? It's one of those things where you don't mean to become functional, but you do. But that functional, That neglect, it oftentimes leads to being factional. And Andre and I started realizing we're not communicating well. We began to realize that we were taking each other for granted. We had dashed expectations, and she didn't live up to what I thought maybe she should have lived up to. In fact, we had gone through a war, and with survival just as a part of our lifestyle, I think our marriage began to reflect that. And I'll never forget, over 15 years ago, Andre and I go out on a date, and I say to her, I'm not having fun anymore. Uh, it's, it, it's not what it used to be. And the fantastic part of our first love, it just seemed to be gone. Now, remember, we didn't mean for it to be gone. It's life. It's humanity. We go in and out of emotions. I mean, you guys, I come up here and I talk about the loss of my friend and how we're all dealing with sorrow. We do one verse of a song. I come back and I say, hey, everyone, meet the person next to you. We went from this to this in a matter of moments. That's what emotions do. It's just part of humanity. And I'll never forget, Andre and I, we began counseling a couple. They're 25 years into marriage. We're about 10 years into marriage at this point. And this couple, their kids are gone, their lives have fallen apart because their life revolved around their children, and now they don't have a relationship. And I remember leaving the meeting with Andre, and I said to her, I don't want to be that. I don't want 20, 15 years from now, 15, 20 years from now, that I don't even know who you are. And I don't want to be functional, and I don't want to be factional. And so we made some decisions. And we made some decisions that we've got to invest into our relationship. Because the stream of tendency, 
It's against us. Between raising kids, busy at work, or just the pressures of life, you've got to purpose to pursue this kind of love in a marriage. So we started date nights. For over 15 years, whether it's been Monday or Tuesday or Friday, we go out every week. Her and I, we go spend some time. When we first started this thing, years ago, the kids were small. They used to grab onto our legs as we were walking out of the door. Don't leave us here with this person. Listen, with nine kids, we didn't care who we left them with. Whoever would take them, we were like, take go. Who are you? Did you just get out of jail? You can watch them. Just be strict, you know? Here's the deal. People always wonder, well, who do you leave your kids with? Whoever will take them. So we're, they're like ripping at our door. And when Andre and I would get in the car, we were so frustrated leaving the house that we would argue. So we made a decision on our date nights for the first 30 minutes, we're not allowed to talk to each other. We have to detox our children before we can actually communicate. It worked for years. And Andre would go, hey, I go, mm, 30 minutes. We need 30 minutes because I know whatever you say, I'm going to get angry. So, and whatever I say, you're going to get it. So let's just detox. And it worked. By the time we got to the restaurant, we were happy. We were in the happy place because we had forgotten the kids. <laughs> Not only did we start date nights, we started special trips. And Andre and I just came back from one. We went to New York. And I really appreciate all the text messages saying how glad you were that I was in New York. And I didn't respond because I was with my blonde Christian babe. <laughs> we were having a great time. I planned it, bought the tickets months ago. I budgeted it. And we only spent $50 over our budget. I was very proud of my wife and me. It was a time to get away. It was time to spend time together. It was a time to go shopping and spend money. And spend more money. <laughs> and I told Andrea, listen, you've got, you've got $100 today. She came back with a $20 receipt, a $30 receipt, a $40 receipt, a $20 receipt, a $30 receipt, a $50 receipt. She goes, I stayed in my budget. <laughs> Something's wrong with that, right? No, 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 you had $100 for the whole day. Oh, you should have said that. And we laughed. In fact, one of the greatest things about our trip, I took her to go see Frozen. I much enjoyed watching her face than watching the, she was like, <laughs> She's like all into the show, like, like it's her story, right? And I told her, listen, I want you to go out today and buy an outfit, something that you would never wear in South County. I want you to take a look. She came home with this. Come on. Now, wait a second, wait a second. Please take a look at the shoes. Yep. Okay. Andrea never wears shoes like that. She was walking for a half mile to the show like this. <laughs> and we're just laughing at each other, just having a blast. Now, just imagine, we come home. We come home, and all of a sudden, this incredible experience, she doesn't have time to talk to me. She's got to get to work. Now, just imagine, we come home from this. I've done all this planning, all this preparing. I've spent all this money. And she can't hug me and she can't kiss me because she's got to cook and she's got to clean and she's got to get this done. And I just go to hug her and she goes, I got to go. Can you go do that? Just imagine. Just imagine if Thursday night comes and I say, hey, it's time for date night. And she goes, ah, we did New York. I'm good for three months. <laughs> I mean, I'd be hurt. I'd be really hurt. And there'd come a point in time where over time, though she never says it, 
all of these actions would say something very loud and clear. You're falling out of love with me. Now, she never said it, but I can feel it. So there's a moment where I'm going to have, as the husband, to go to her and say, hey, we got to talk, Andrea. Like, I'm not feeling this. Andrea, you know, I feel like you've wronged me. I've spent all this time, I've spent all this energy, all this money, I've, I've spent all of this investment, and we come home, and it's like, you don't even want to be around me. That's exactly what Jesus is saying to his bride. Look with me, it's Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. He says this, But I have this against you. i got to talk to you about something. You've wronged me. You've abandoned the love you had at first. The groom, Jesus, is speaking to his bride, the church. He's sending a text message. we got to talk. Something's wrong. Like, I, I feel like you don't love me anymore, and I'm hurt. And the Bible says in Ephesians, very clearly, we can grieve the spirit of Christ. We can grieve him. Jesus, he comes on the scene, and he says to his bride, it doesn't seem like you love me the way that you used to. I love the word that he uses. You've abandoned. I want you to circle that word. You've abandoned your first love. Abandoned. That word actually has two meanings. It means to leave and it means to forgive. Two different meanings. It means to leave and forgive. Let me give you an example. If I forgive someone, I've left it behind. I'm moving on. I'm no longer holding on to it. So this word in the Greek, it has a double meaning. It means to leave, and it also means to forgive. Because this word in Matthew 18 is that the servant refused to forgive the other servant. It's the same word. He didn't leave it behind. He chose to hold on to it. And I love the fact that Jesus uses this word. Because he uses this word to remind them of what he's done for them as compared to what they're not doing to him. He's reminding them, I pardoned your sin. Do you know what it cost me? I I died on a cross. God sent his very wealthiest, richest option to earth. And I pardoned your sin, but you are leaving me behind. And he's sending a message, even though you've abandoned me, I've not abandoned you. So take a look at verse 5, what he says, remember. Remember, therefore, from whence you've fallen. Remember. He says, remember. Now, the very first thing I want us to remember is to remember who he is. Now, when we read our scripture in Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, we learned that our husband is holding us by our right by his right hand. So could you with me for a moment enter into a movie scene? Husband and wife walking on the beach, okay? You're watching the movie. I'm going to pretend. Husband and wife watching, walking on the beach. He's holding her by his right hand. And they're walking, and he's got to address something. We're, we're, we're in the movie theater. We get to watch this little thing happen. So he's a loving husband. He's got to address something with his wife. So he's holding her by the right hand, and he says, Hey, you know, you hurt me when you did this. Well, she's all bashful. Like, I know I did something wrong. And so she kind of turns away, but she kind of wants to walk away from him because she feels really bad about what she did. But no, he's got her by the, his right hand. And in the movie scene, now what he does is he pulls her a little bit closer and now he wraps his hand around her. Oh, I'm not letting you go. I'm not mad at you. 
I love you. Now, this is the movie scene, right? And he's holding her by his right hand. In fact, listen to this, this right hand of God. It's Psalm chapter 139. I want you to hear, you can write it down in your notes. Psalm 139. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, Psalm 139, verse 9, now verse 10, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Let me tell you something about that right hand. The Bible says that all of the waters of the earth are in that right hand. It's like a big swimming pool. That's a big hand. This right hand, so mighty, Psalm chapter 20, verse 6, so mighty. Listen, he went, there's the universe. There's the stars. Oh, there's Chet. There's you. There's everything I've created. Oh, there's the mountains in there. Let me dig this out. That's the Atlantic Ocean. Just imagine how big that right hand is. And he says, I'm holding the church by my right hand. I'm not letting you go. I'm not mad at you. I love you. I want to bring you closer. You've got to remember he's holding you by the right hand. But you also got to remember something else about him. He says, I'm right in the midst of the lampstand. And the lampstand is the church. I'm right in the midst of the lampstand. Now, let me explain what he's saying. I'm sad. I'm grieved. Because you've left your first love. But I'm not out of here. I'm right in the middle of the problem because I want to solve it. It's so different in our culture today. Where 50% of the people that are married, even in the church, are getting divorced. Now, I know some divorces are caused by marital infidelity, and it is to no fault of your own. And I understand that there are some where there's abuse and all of these various things where you need to get out of the marriage. But it seems in the world that marriages and divorce is like a dime a dozen. I'm in and I'm out. And Jesus says, that's not me, man. That is not me. I'm right in the middle because I want to solve this problem and I've got you by the right hand and I'm not letting you go because I love you. Gang, it's so different from us. And we've got to be careful that we don't put us on Jesus. We're so quick to abandon relationships when an event happens. We've all done it. And Jesus says, not me. I'm right in the midst. I want you to remember me. But I want you to remember something else. I want you to remember what you used to be. I want you to remember. I want you to take the time. This is what this word means. Take the time to think about where you used to be as compared to where you are now. I remember the butterflies I used to get when Andre would stand up and lead worship. I remember how I used to feel like I wanted to melt. I remember those times when I just didn't want to hang up the phone. I wanted to talk to her all night long. I remember when my own foot popped when I kissed her. That's why I had to stop. I had to get married quick. Like, I, I wanted my wife. I remember. I, I remember when I would walk into a room and Andrea's world would light up. That's my man. I remember that. It's like I remember when I was first saved. I remember when my groom took me as his bride. I remember the feeling of what it was to feel forgiven. I remember what I used to do and how I used to worship and how I used to share and how I used to serve. Let me tell you something. I didn't worship like, okay, 
Stand like this, hands out like this, sway just a little bit. People are watching. This shows passion. Let me tell you, man, I was like, thank you, Jesus. I remember one time I was newly saved. I'm driving in the car, right? And I just really given my heart all to Christ. And I'm singing this song. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I'm singing this song, right? This guy looks over me in a car over next to me. And he looks at me like, dude, you are strange. And I got my hands on the steering wheel and I did this. I'm forgiven! Yeah! Woo! I didn't care. I didn't need the Christian sway. I, was, I didn't care what I looked like in worship. I was giving my whole heart to Christ. I didn't care. When the church opened, I was there. I realized, hey, God gave me his whole life. I want to give you my whole life. And I want to, wherever the church doors open, I want to be there. I want to serve. I want to be in junior high. I want to be in senior high. Wherever it is, please, God, you gave me your life. I want to give you mine. I remember how I used to share. I mean, I told everyone about this blonde Christian babe. Everywhere I went, I thought, you would never believe the girl that likes me, me. I remember standing in cashier lines. I remember going to shops. I remember going to the mall. I had a friend of mine that anytime anyone said Jesus, he would drop on his knees. He goes, hey, listen, you're going to drop one day. You might as well experience it now. And he would give the gospel to him right there. If they used the word Jesus in an improper way, he would just go, okay, let me tell you about him. Unbelievable. I remember these moments. I remember the first love experience. And he says, remember from where you've fallen. Now, fallen is not a great word. Fallen has the idea that you were in a high place and you stooped down to a low place. And what Jesus is saying is this. You actually become subhuman when you're not in a loving relationship with me. You really haven't come to the place of understanding what life is if you're out of a love relationship with me. You've fallen well, I don't want to be subhuman. Well, James, the half-brother of Jesus, he, he gives us a, a way, a prescription. He says, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. So let's go back to the movie scene. Now the husband and wife are separated, but they're forgiven. And here's the husband, and there's the bride. They're on the beach. You're watching the movie, and it's dun, 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 dun. And she's running to him, and he's running to her, and he picks her up. Just imagine if he goes to pick her up, and she turns and runs the other way. That's a bad movie. That's a really bad movie. He says, you got to draw near to me. And the first way that we draw near he gives it. Revelation chapter 2. Remember from where you've fallen, repent. Repent. You're heading in the wrong direction. And I'm holding you by my right hand because I want you to go the right way. And the right way is not simply what you do. You, I, I emphasize the words. Working, toiling, enduring, bearing. He uses all those words on purpose. It's kind of like forcing your kid to practice piano before their piano lesson, right? 
Mary had a little lamb, bing, little lamb, bing. I mean, you know how your kid is when you're forcing them to do something. It's toiling, it's working, it's making them do it, it's enduring through it. They don't see the fruit at the end of the day. He goes, wait a second, no, that's not what we're about, man. This isn't about you have to go to church, you have to serve. That's not the relationship we're looking for. I want you working, I want you enjoying your work. I don't want you just toiling. I want you thriving. I don't want you enduring and bearing. I want you living abundantly. And this only happens when you're in a love relationship, a first love relationship with me. See, our Bible, Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, our faith says that our faith works only through love. Our faith works through love. I've asked you to keep your finger. Go with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know it better than me. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Listen to this. Verse 1. If I speak the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So he says, you got to repent. you got to change the way, your direction. And you got to get back to your first kind of love. That's our third word. Remember, repent, redo. I know the works that you were doing. But I want you to redo them the way that you used to do them. Redo. You remember when you were kids, do-overs? Do you remember do-overs? When you were on the opposite team, I caught the pass inbounds. No, you didn't. Your foot stepped out. No, it didn't. Do-over. It's a do-over. We can't agree. It's a do-over. I love do-overs. Because even if you were cheating, you got a do-over. 50-50. It could go one way or the other, right? You know? Do-overs. But I love do-overs because of Jesus. Because he says, I want you to redo. I want you to go back. I want you to return. I want you to do over your relationship. Do you remember the way you used to worship? You didn't care what people thought. Your hands were raised. You didn't have to be professional about it. You just gave your whole heart, your whole spirit. Do you remember? Do-over. Do-over. Do you remember the way that you used to study You couldn't get enough of the word of God. And you were in the word in the morning. You were memorizing scripture. You were in the word at night. Do over. Just do over. Do you remember the way you used to serve? Oh, when Coast Hills first opened and this building was popping with energy and life. Do over. Just just do over. Do you remember when you were in the community and you didn't care where you were? You didn't care who was in front of you. You'd just been filled with the Holy Spirit and you were just wanting to share with everyone and anyone. Just do over. Do over. That's what he's saying for us to do. And when we allow the Spirit of God to flow through us, Romans chapter 5, verse 5, the Bible says His Spirit will flow, will pour into us, pour into us the love of God. When we choose to do over, when we choose to go back to our first love, we don't have to worry about what our faith is going to look like. The Spirit of God will pour this kind of love into us. 
And I've got a plant at my house that reminds me of this all the time. You see, this plant usually looks like this, always in worship. But if I forget to water it, it begins to wilt. And when I come out in the morning, it goes, you forgot me. And here it is, just wilted. But it's amazing. When I pour living water into it, when I come home from work, worship. But if I don't put water in it, wilting, worship. Where are you? Do over. Do over. He says this. I got to warn you. If you don't repent, you don't go back to the kind of love I'm talking about. Not your kind of love. The kind of love I'm passionate, first kind of love. I'm going to take your lampstand. I need to let you know there is no church in Ephesus anymore. And here's what he's saying. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to let you let everyone think that you are who you are when you're really not that person. So I'm going to take the lampstand because I'm not going to pretend. So I might as well just let everyone know you're not who you think you are so that maybe that will wake you up to realize, wow, I'm not who I think I am. I need to get back into relationship because Jesus says, I'm not going to do fake love. I'm not going to pretend it's the first love kind of passionate love that I'm talking about. Now he says, listen to him. I know you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. And what he's saying to them is, you and I, were still on the same page. You don't like it when people lord it over people. That's why I told you, don't call me pastor. Pastor came in during the, 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 the industrial revolution, corporate America. The titles that were given, we figured we needed to put them into the church. Prior to the 1930s and 40s, everyone was brother and sister. Now, I know it'd be weird if I went, brother Kevin and sister Sue and sister Kim and sister. I know it'd be weird if we walked around doing that. And that's not what I'm talking about. But don't put me in a place that I shouldn't be. He goes, you and I, we agree with this. We're still on the right page. You and I, we're still on the right page. But you need to repent. you got to redo. And this is what he says. I want you to take a look with me in verse 7. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat the tree of life. I made a decision in my marriage over 15 years ago. I am fighting for my marriage. And we made decisions that we needed to change from functional and factional to fantastic. And we purposed to pursue love. And you know that exhortation is found two times in Scripture. Whenever the Holy Spirit says, repeats himself twice, he's trying to get a message. It's like, hello. 1 Corinthians 14.1, pursue love. 1 Corinthians 14.1, pursue love. 1 Timothy Chapter 6, verse 11. But you, O man of God, pursue love. And Jude, keep yourself in the love of God. This is our job. Conquer is a fighting word. And we've got to fight to get back to the kind of love that Jesus asks us. He says, listen, if you listen to me, you get to eat from the tree of life. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. And here's what he's saying. You pursue love on earth, the passionate kind of first love, 
for all of eternity, you will eat of its fruit and experience a kind of love that will blow our minds, that we'll never get tired of it for an eternity. Church, pursue love.